You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Combos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to my friend and fellow podcaster, Emily Abadi. She hosts the podcast called Hurdle, which is a wellness podcast that features many runners, athletes, entrepreneurs, and much more. Emily and I met at a Yankee event back in 2018, and we've seen each other quite a few times. We also ran the Chicago Marathon together. She is someone that just inspires me to live a healthier lifestyle, and also as like a female entrepreneur, she inspires me as a businesswoman living in New York and... This episode, we talk about everything from her productive morning routine, how she's handled quarantine in New York, working for herself, doing freelance writing, and her journey with running and ways that she's improved over time and her goals for the future. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Emily, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like this is going to be a really good episode. I have high expectations and I'm sure you're going to live up to them (laughs) being a podcaster yourself. Um, To start off the podcast, do you want to give a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're about? Wow. High bar. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Abadi. I'm also a podcaster. I created a little show called Hurdle. Hurdle is a wellness-focused podcast where I chat with everyone from elite athletes like Allison Felix and Des Linden to top CEOs and entrepreneurs like Andy Pudicombe from Headspace about their highest highs and toughest moments. And so Hurdle is approaching its third birthday. It's a, a big milestone. Oh, and my goodness. I know. Time flies when you're creating content, man. As you know, as you know. So yeah, approaching its third birthday. And when I'm not hurdling, as I love to call it, I uh, am also a freelance writer and journalist in the in the wellness space. So I write uh, for everyone from GQ to Women's Health to Livestrong, Well and Good, you name it. So we met back in 2018, I think it was. Man, it kind like, of feels like a long time Like at this time of ago. year, Emma. Yeah. At this time of year. Yeah, we were at a Nike event in Portland, actually. Um, oh. And I remember, like, that was my first media event ever. And we got a bunch of free Nike stuff. And I remember you being like, you you must be new to this. Because I was like, <laughs> I was so excited about all the free Nike stuff. And I didn't realize, like, what was to come. Because I was just starting to get into the media scene. 
Um, you and I have that in common though. My first ever media event was, this is going to date me a little bit, but for the release of the Nike fuel band. Oh my gosh. When, so when was maybe that? Maybe seven years ago ish. I've been in yeah. the game for a minute. I've been in the game for a minute. Yeah. So just like to start out, I just kind of want to get a background in your, in your media side of things before we dive into the running later. Yeah. When did, when did you start freelance writing and doing your podcast? Like, was it kind of at the same time or was it one before the other? Yeah. So I went to UConn. I graduated with a double major in journalism and political science. My first ever internship was actually at Fitness Magazine back in, I want to say 2008. Uh, And then my first full-time job uh, in New York City was at a company called Cafe Mom. Uh, in 2010. And I worked at Cafe Mom for just over three years before transitioning to Rodale, which used to own Men's Health, Women's Health, Runner's World, Bicycling, a lot of those active titles. I was at Rodale for a couple of years before uh, leaving to go to Self Magazine, where I was the fitness editor there for a year until that magazine folded. And then once that happened, I went out on my own. And so I've been a freelance journalist for about three years now, or four years years now. Wow. Uh, And a year into that journey is when I concepted and started Hurdle. So as you can imagine, writing and editing content for a lot of other people, I started to get to this point where I was like, wow, when do I get to own something? And that is part of the journey that led to starting the podcast. And so like you, I didn't know the first thing about podcasting whatsoever, but just kind of found my way and talked to a lot of people and asked a lot of good questions. And with time, it's, it's certainly grown over the years. It's, it's been quite a time. Was it, did it start off as like a side hustle or was it just kind of something that you wanted to do for fun? Yeah, definitely for fun. Like I don't think I had anything like I didn't have huge aspirations for hurdle when I started it I thought that it would be like a fun different way to flex my journalistic muscles like I was already uh, used to interviewing really great people I had a lot of really awesome connections from all the content that I was working on for all of these big major brands and so I thought to myself like okay this would be a cool thing just to get into as you said as a side hustle and within you know the first few months the first year I really came to understand that there was a lot of opportunity in it and there was a thirst for this type of content specifically coming from someone, you know, like me. And I think that that's something that's really important to reiterate is so often, so many of us, we think, oh, well, I've seen something like this, or I'm not sure if like what I have to offer is good enough. And like, you are the only version of you. (laughs) There is no one else that is you. And you have a really awesome spin to put on whatever it is that you're interested in or whatever it is that you're doing. So for me, uh, it's been really cool to to create my own way and pave my own avenue and, and run with it. Yeah. I think you touched on something super important there in terms of like just creating any sort of content. It's so important to like, not just go mimic other people and like, I don't know, just copy what's popular. It's really, I think, all about like what makes someone successful is kind of paving their own way and focusing on what they enjoy doing and what kind of content they enjoy creating. And I feel like that just kind of puts off like a good vibe to the people that they attract. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've definitely like focused on over the years is just kind of instead of following the crowd, it's just kind of paving your own way and not being like too picky about what you post, but rather just posting for 
what you want to create. And I feel like that just encourages others to follow along too. And I think that some people are just so overly concerned about making sure that something is absolutely flawless or quote unquote perfect. But a lot of the time, their definition of flawless or perfect is just based on other people. So instead of spending all of your time worrying that the audio quality isn't 100% amazing or whatever, like you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars most of the time to put into the things that the people who are creating audio quality that is absolutely amazing do. Um, so I don't know. I think so often we play this comparison game, especially because of social media and we got to stop that so that we can just put it out into the world, put out who you are into the world. Did you have, like when you were first starting off, um, on your own and like starting your podcast, did you have any sort of embarrassment in terms of kind of like pursuing the solo, the solo venture? Because I know I did like starting my YouTube channel. I was so nervous to put out like the content and be like, Hey guys, I started a YouTube channel. Did you, did you go through that at all? I mean, totally dude. I think it's like, it's scary and intimidating to put yourself out there and to get vulnerable, whether it's like in a personal relationship or in front of hundreds of thousands of people you don't know. And yet we do it anyway, because you have to go back to what it is that your mission is and what your purpose is. And I truly believe that my my personal mission is to empower others to live healthier, happier lives. And I know that by working on hurdle and putting myself out there and sometimes getting comfortable with the uncomfortable that I have the opportunity to do that. And so I do it, but yeah, I mean, and, and on the, Oh shoot, I messed up front. I mean, there were so many things at the beginning that I just was totally embarrassed about whether it was hiccups with production or audio. I remember I recorded an entire interview with someone that was completely unusable and I felt mortified. Like I got on the phone with this woman, actually, uh, Sarah Levy from Y7 and I, we were friendly, like we're friends and I recorded with her at a WeWork in Tribeca. And then I went to go listen back to the audio and it was one of my first early recordings. And I was just like, this audio is embarrassing. Like it's that bad. It was just all echo. I couldn't do anything about it. Like I just, I didn't want to put it into the world. Uh, and I called her and she was like, Emily, by the way you set up this phone call, I thought you were going to tell me that like someone passed away. <laughs> we can record again. Like you will survive. We will survive. We will make another episode and life will go on. And that's what we did. So I, I always think about that story and how grateful I was uh, for her double, double the time on that one. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to be perfect, especially when you're first starting out. I mean, me starting this podcast, I don't know the first thing about audio. You and I were just talking about this. I was, I like Loki broke my Yeti mic right before I started recording this. I fixed it. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just all about, especially when you're first starting, just kind of putting yourself out there and it, it's okay to make mistakes and you'll, you'll survive. Even, even though like maybe like for your example, it's kind of at someone else's expense. Like they spent the time to go record the podcast. A lot of people are forgiving, you know, especially <laughs> if they're your friends. Um, hopefully that they'll forgive you and re- record again. So they uh, will. They yeah. will. <laughs> it's funny. You touched on like finding purpose in you creating content. That was a question I actually had for you. Did you kind of start off with this mission of creating purpose for other people's lives when you first started creating content or was it just kind of like a for you sort of situation? I think it's interesting when I think about the evolution of the show over the past few years because uh, in season one and season two, I had some thoughts about 
in season one specifically, I thought I knew that what I was doing, but it definitely took some time for me to like pave my own way and figure out what it was that was my mission. And I think whether of course it is in creating a podcast or just creating other content or just how you show up in your day to day. Like if you don't take the time to ask yourself, like, what is it that I want? What are my values? What am I going after? Then you're going to be sporadic and you're going to be all over the place. And you're just kind of going to be like going in a bunch of different directions. But going into season two, I definitely had a lot more clarity about what it was that I wanted to accomplish. I really thought that when I started the show, it had to be about like these specific hurdles as I call them. And like the hard times that individuals go through. And if someone didn't have like this earth shattering hurdle, then like it wasn't the right fit for the show. But the reality is, is that first of all, every hurdle to different individuals is going to feel like a different challenge, right? So like there can be small hurdles, there can be big hurdles, but all of these hurdles help us come to terms with who it is that we are and then move forward uh, and challenge us. And so I knew that I could talk to a lot of different people and it didn't just have to be about these big hurdle moments. It could be about their life as a whole and and their role in the wellness community and and what it is that they're doing. So I kind of expanded this mission uh, statement for myself Um, when I talk about it being a wellness focused podcast, I wanted to really understand like what it was that made these people tick, how wellness played into their lives and the lessons that they've learned along the way, whether they are, as I said, an entrepreneur or a CEO or an athlete, like everyone has something that they can teach you, uh, whether or not you might recognize that from the get-go, everyone has something to teach us. So for me, um, I definitely expanded the mission as time went on. And I also think that for me now specifically, a big focus is trying to find connection in this time when so many of us are disconnected or living life differently than than we knew it before COVID. And so for me, um, really acting on that mission to inspire other people to empower them and to help them understand that they aren't alone in how they feel, uh, even though we might be physically alone, that doesn't mean you need to, you know, be constantly feeling lonely. So how can I act on that? How can I empower you to make good decisions for yourself? Um, these are, you know, these are questions that I'm asking myself every day. Yeah. And one of the things that I find about creating content for others, it can be kind of isolating. How have you dealt with that? You're based in New York city, which was hit pretty hard with COVID and quarantine and everything. How have you dealt with kind of the solo, solo venture during, during quarantine? Solo quarantine is a time. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it it certainly, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it's had its fair share of challenges. I'm very grateful that about three years ago now, I went on a trip to Italy by myself for 10 days. And I think if I had never gone on that trip, then I probably would have had a lot more difficulty settling into so much time by myself this year. And I say that because before I went on that trip, I felt as though doing things by myself meant that I was doing something wrong in that if I couldn't find someone who wanted to go to dinner or like just grab a drink, then like I couldn't do some of the things that I wanted to do because I didn't want to do them by myself. But in actuality, what that trip to Italy taught me is that there's a lot of really beautiful things that can happen when you spend time with yourself, like being able to have the time to think about your values, think about your ethos, think about the things that you really want instead of being constantly influenced by other people. And so for me, coming into COVID, the pandemic, doing this all alone, I felt really grateful that I had had that opportunity and then like really empowered to 
try to the best that I could make the most of this time. So there were definitely days where I'm like sitting at my desk, walking to the fridge for like the 22nd time of the day, <laughs> like eating whatever I could find in there and like reverting to some of like my less than healthy habits from when I was younger. Uh, but then there were a lot of beautiful moments. And a lot of those moments that I think about having a lot of beauty do involve other people just in a different way than maybe I anticipated. You know, launching uh, workshops this year for Hurdle was a really, really unbelievably rewarding experience and being able to connect with individuals all over the world, literally from like Austria to San Diego. It's been uh, a really special gift. So sure, quarantine and COVID has had its its fair amount of challenge. And this year is nothing like we thought that it would be. But for me, it's been really rewarding. And I'm choosing to look at the bright side of things. And I'm choosing uh, to be grateful for what is instead of worrying about what isn't. Today's episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy to follow recipes, perfect for keto, paleo, and plant-based diets, or even if you just want to eat healthier. Recipes include some pre-chopped ingredients, pre-made sauces, dressings, and spices, so you can get more flavor in less time, which is my idea of a perfect meal. One that doesn't take up too much time, but is also super flavorful, which is what Green Chef has done for me. It's definitely spiced up my meals from, you know, usually I would just eat a bland sweet potato, a protein, and a veggie. But Green Chef always helps me branch out and the meals are so good, guys. I can't recommend it enough. Green Chef is delicious. Green Chef makes it easy to eat well and discover new recipes each week that everyone will enjoy. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh to offer a wider array of meal plans to choose from. There's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands for when my taste change or when I want to eat a little bit differently from month to month. And if you guys are interested in checking out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com coldbrew90 and use code coldbrew90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com coldbrew90 and use code coldbrew90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. Now let's get back into the episode. One of the things about you that it not only inspires me, but I'm sure inspires a lot of people. And I can tell just through your Instagram story is your morning routine. I have never been a person that can like get up and Adam right like out of bed and like go on a run. But you, I feel like have inspired so many people to, you know, you have your little Instagram story of you doing your shoelace up. And I just see people reposting that all the time. Um, can you take us through your morning routine? And I feel like something like that has to have like had a huge impact on your quarantine too. And just kind of having that in your day. Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, the morning routine has been something that has definitely ebbed and flowed over time. But the reason why I love getting active in the morning and I love moving my body in the morning is it instills immediate gratitude in me and empowers me to take on the rest of my day. So for me, I've always been like a morning wake up person, like a morning person in general. Uh, I know that for some who don't share that quality, morning workouts can definitely be even more challenging. Uh, but for me, I wake up naturally. It can literally be any time and it's not always five, but like today I woke up at five and I was like, why am I awake? But I'm awake. Um, but other days I, I wake up late. I'll wake up at seven or seven thirty. It just really depends on like where my body is. But I think a really beautiful thing from quarantine is that uh, I very rarely, if ever, set alarms anymore, and I'm really being intuitive about what my body needs in terms of sleep. But naturally, I mean, most days I'm awake around like 6.15, 6.30 at the latest, and uh, it goes a little something like I 
walk to the bathroom. I leave the bathroom. I put in an espresso Arondio pod. <laughs> I walk back to my room and I journal. Then when I'm done with journaling, which I end with a little line of gratitude is something that I'm thankful for from the past 24 hours. I walk back to the kitchen to get the Nespresso. I make a stop in the kitchen closet because that's where I keep my sports bras, grab a sports bra, walk back to my bedroom. The apartment isn't huge guys. Like it's not, it's not like I'm doing a lot of crazy meandering here, but I walk back to the bedroom, I get dressed. Um, and then I figure out which of the 82 pairs of sneakers in my closet I want to bring with me to the living room uh, where I sit down and I put my phone in front of me and I do something that Emma referenced, which is the lace up. Literally, it's exactly what it sounds like. I sit there, I tie my sneakers on Instagram. I post that, I pick some good vibes, some good tunes. That's in the world. I get up and either I'm taking my bike down from the wall to bike down to the track, or I'm walking to uh, the gym to do a treadmill workout, or I'm just lacing up and getting outside and running. Uh, so for me, that that really, again, is like my way to get back to myself. And then after that workout, it's like back home, shower, shaking up athletic greens, uh, eating some oatmeal, and like getting ready to do the day. So you're, you work for yourself, like doing freelance and your podcast. How many hours a day are you working? Too many. (laughs) The goal for the goal for 2021, Emma, is to work smarter, not harder. I think 2020 felt hard for all of us in for so many reasons. And because it felt hard, a lot of the logical solutions that I may have stumbled upon or came up with myself in 2019 kind of went out the window. So I'm really looking forward to kind of like shaking myself violently and getting out of my own way because I've just like been working really hard. So I work, I work a lot of hours. I would say that the thing about working for yourself though, is that you're not always, uh, you know, doing it in one eight hour swoop. Right. So like I am organizing for an hour. Then I'm like, I'm going to clean my living room for 30 minutes. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to write an article for GQ. And then it's like, oh, I have two consulting calls at four and then at five. And then like, oh, I also want to get a COVID test at 3.30. Like, so I'm empowered because I can make my own schedule. uh, But I'm certainly kind of working all sorts of hours, all different days. I'm hosting workshops at night. I'm recording at night, depending if I'm doing it with someone from the West Coast. So it's just uh, every day's every day's a new day. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like thrive in your work? Would you say that that is kind of like, I don't know, your your purpose at this point in life? Like, where do you see yourself kind of going over the next 10 or so years. I'm really excited about these workshops and I dreamed of hosting uh, kind of summits and workshops IRL before all of this started. So now considering the circumstances, I'm trying to figure out what the right move is for them. Uh, and when I talk about these workshops, just a little bit more detail. So they're called hurdle sessions. And basically I'm covering everything from uh, how to start and stay running to how to take your running to the next level, then bringing it to the female entrepreneurship side, talking about intro to freelance writing or podcasting. I mean, I'm covering a ton of different topics. We talked about how it felt to navigate COVID solo. So how to find your power alone, like just really bringing my own personal experience into a a seminar or classroom type feel 
uh, with, you know, a bunch of participants and, and having some honest conversations there. And then there are, you know, more in-depth workshops where I talk about uh, navigating challenge through the handling hurdle moments token seminar, or uh, right now I'm in a series of different end of year goal setting workshops. So I'm just, you know, bringing my experience, my expertise into the fold as a wellness coach, a certified trainer, a personal trainer, uh, a run coach, and then obviously a female entrepreneur and asking myself, what value do I have that I can bring to my consumer? And how can I do this in a way that makes us all feel connected and more excited just about the day to day? I feel like you tapped into like a really good little niche that was much needed in like the wellness world because Running is so common for a lot of people, but like there's just so many different sides of running, you know, and yeah. wellness in general. So I feel like you have such a good community that you've created. And honestly, it's one that like really inspires me and everything that you've done. I find it to be really inspiring because I mean, you've just, you've had more experience than me in the scene. And I've just, I really admire like the community that you've created. And yeah, I just, <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I mean, to your point, I think that, I mean, I, and we'll talk about running, but I've been really lucky that for me, running has really helped me get through this pandemic, but I've also been seeing um, and hitting some goals that I've had for a really long time. With that said, though, I really believe that anyone with a body is an athlete and anyone can be a runner. And I think so often, um, especially in this age of social media, we get so caught up in playing the comparison game that you don't understand that like what you're doing might not be slow. What you're doing is just what you're doing and it's you and it's who you are. And that's a really beautiful thing. So when we can take that comparison out of it, when we can take the judgment out of it and when we can just get up and get out and feel grateful for that opportunity in the first place. And that's, you know, something really awesome. And so that's what I want to empower my community to do. That's what it means to, to be a hurdler is just being willing to get up and get out and give it your best for that day. And, you know, maybe that day your best is different than the day before, but if all it takes is all you've got and that's what you've got, then you got to run with it. A hundred percent. And for me, like I have been in the competitive running world my entire life and that's all I knew. And once I started to branch out of the small little niche that is like, I don't know, professional or like elite track and field running, I saw a whole different side of the sport. And honestly, that side I find is a lot more inspiring to me than the elite running is. I don't know if it's just because I've been like engaged in that community so long, but honestly, I find it to be sort of toxic because it is all focused on times and like, I don't know, everyone's always comparing each other. And I think it's just such yeah. a small world that when I left it and kind of went into like, I don't know, just like the general running world or even just like training for the Chicago marathon and meeting people that were doing the same or training for marathons in general. It's just like a much more positive atmosphere. Cause I think people realize like how much just the act of running benefits their life and not so much focused on hitting like time goals, even though that is important at a certain extent. It's I interesting because like I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about the people that I interview and I get so many messages from so many individuals who are like, I want to hear more stories from people that didn't grow up an athlete and are succeeding now. And yeah. that's really interesting because I guess I don't necessarily always 
value that enough, right? Like I, I'm so grateful for my journey. I mean, and, and to kind of like just sum it up on the quick tip, I weighed 70 pounds more than I do now in college. And I lost that weight in two phases. One phase was learning how to eat better. And the second phase was learning to love running. I went from, you know, running literally a 14 minute half mile to running a 32356 marathon. And that journey was long, but it was so, so rewarding. And so for me, like, I'm like you in that I have always been chasing, like, you know, the best of the best, right? Like I've forever been chasing Shalane to talk to me. I was hyped when I got to chat with Des. I was hyped when I got to talk with Molly Seidel. I've been taught hyped to, you know, talk to Mary Kane, like just so many amazing. And I'm just like naming runners because we're, we're chatting you and I, but I think that, um, you know, it is really special for us to reiterate that like, you don't need to be crushing killer times to be a runner. You just need to be someone that's willing to sometimes go out of your comfort zone, lace up your shoes and make a move. And so, um, it's just so important that to stress that, you know, everyone has a place in this sport. It's not just for PRs. It's for the good days and the bad days and the hard days and the frustrating days. And that every single day that you get up and you get out, that's going to be a good day. Yeah. And honestly, taking a break away from like focusing on the times and everything has helped me appreciate what running is like just for itself, you know, and not being so focused on like performance. It is just such a life enhancer. I don't know how to describe it. It's in, in Gen Z terms, it hits different compared to like any (laughs) other workout that I do. Like weightlifting, it's just not the same as like going out for a long run. Yeah. And even it doesn't even matter how fast you're running. Like the feeling of going on a long run is just unlike anything else. Can we talk about how fast you're biking though? <laughs> okay. I don't I I literally only go 19.4 miles if I'm going down an aggressive hill. Like when I saw that you were <laughs> biking for like an hour and change at an average like speed of 19.4 miles, I was like, did Emma become a superhuman and I just missed it? No, I don't know. Like I've definitely gotten, (laughs) I've definitely gotten into biking and I I do find it to be very fun. It's just a lot more like equipment, I think, which is, I'm still like really learning about biking, but I do feel like I have a strong engine for biking. So I think I could be good at it. I don't see myself becoming a professional cyclist necessarily, but I do find that cycling, I think will be a good element to my triathlon. So it will. It will. It'll make yeah. you stronger, faster, better, greater. Yeah, exactly. Building the base. You've been biking though too. I have been biking. I've got two bikes hanging in my living room right now. Something I never thought that I would have the space for, but when you <laughs> make it a priority, <laughs> it works. Uh, yeah. I've been biking a lot. I, I really like it. I'm kind of sad about the cold weather to come here in New York, but uh, it's been really fun and definitely like a mental saving grace for me over the pandemic to, to be able to get on my bike and, and get out of the city and, and get some fresh air and just have some time to me and myself without, you know, the stress that sometimes running can put on your body. Yeah. It's definitely nice to get the break from, like you said, the stress and like the impact of running oh, because totally. running, running a lot of miles, especially like for you, marathon training, all the time doing like, I don't know, 15 plus mile runs. That's when you really start to feel it on your body. So I'm sure totally is, is a nice, uh, getaway. (laughs) Yeah. I think also, uh, like just, it's really helped me strengthen my legs in a way that maybe I wasn't taking the time to, 
to do before biking. So just like climbing on the bike and, and really like maintaining some of that speed and going for so long, it was adding like a really helpful aspect of cross training that enabled me to see some really big wins on the run as well. It's honestly such different muscles than what running is. Like I find a lot of, I mean, I've just gotten a lot of DMS of people being like, I can't get my heart rate up on the bike. And I feel like it just requires practice. I mean, I can get my heart rate up for some reason, but I think it's just such different leg muscles that it just takes time on the yeah, bike. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a high heart rate biker at all unless I'm like literally tackling the biggest hill, but I mean, I do think of that comes hand in hand with like being an endurance person. Like you said, like I'm a big long distance runner. I I love just like going out for long periods of time. And this is the first year um, really that I've like completely, completely homed in on my speed game. So I think that, you know, being an endurance junkie, just being on the bike for a while, I just feel like I'm kind of like out for, out for a day. Yeah. Stroll. You like go on some cool trips too. Like you, you go for 50 miles and you like stop and get some croissants, some coffee. I'm like, this <laughs> looks always amazing. Croissants. There's always I, croissants. On. I need to start doing that. I don't really plan my bikes out very well. Oh, to I be able my, to do that. all of my exercises planned around baked goods. I've noticed that honestly, <laughs> living in New York seems so fun just cause I could run somewhere and stop and get a coffee. And that's what I do. Every time I've been in New York, I just stop my run at a coffee shop. So <laughs> it's the best. It's the yeah. best. Can we talk a little bit about like the New York running scene? I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I don't even live there. How I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I don't like I've only visited a couple times and I'm like, I think I need to move here because I just <laughs> love the vibes of yeah, the New York I running think, scene. I think uh someone asked me this on a live that I was doing earlier today. They said, um, what is it like running in New York? I'm thinking of moving there. I live in the Midwest. So, I mean, the first thing to establish is that running in New York City is very different than running in the Midwest or if you live in like a suburb. It's that, you know, you've got city streets, you have like a couple of parks, you have uh, running by the water. But like in terms of what you will see on your run, it will be very, very different. And especially, you know, again, referencing this year in COVID, like to be safe on your run is very different here in New York than it might be in the suburbs where you don't need to think about the fact that maybe you should carry a buff or a bandana or a mask if you go out. Um, whereas in the, in the city, you really need to like have something with you in case you need to stop and use the restroom or you're going to be in a crowded area of people or there's just so many different reasons. But yeah, so I mean, obviously aesthetically running in New York looks a lot different than it could uh, in, you know, somewhere else like where you're at or in the middle of America. And then the scene is definitely it's a scene and it's so funny because I've been in New York for almost nine years now but I I uh I didn't really get into the running scene until the last year or two despite you know running New York Roadrunners races and like being a runner that happened to live in Manhattan I only uh last year joined um one of the running clubs here Brooklyn Track Club and for me it's just been really it's been really cool and really rewarding just to you know find that motivation from my teammates and and push harder and run and run all over the place and, and knowing more people in the community. And that's really just it is like, there are so many different ways to be a runner in New York and you don't have to be a part of my track club. You could be a part of a different track club. You could just be a recreational runner, but like, there's like a, a you know, respect amongst all runners here that like, when you go out and you see someone, it's like, yeah, like you're doing this too. And like, we're doing this together. Yeah. And you've accomplished some amazing things this year. I feel like you've accomplished two huge goals. Do you, you did a solo marathon and Ooh. you PR'd in it. I can't, yeah, was- I cannot <laughs> believe that, dude. I saw that. I was like, whoa. And you shaved like minutes off. It wasn't like a small PR. 
yeah, I went from 328.08 to 323.56. That was a really, it was really special. I mean, we're talking about spending time by ourselves with COVID and like the lessons that we've learned. And, you know, just like so many things in life, you can do so much planning, but if you don't have a plan B, then you don't have a plan. And so much of the prep for this marathon was just like hoping that people were going to show up, but kind of mentally accepting what happened if something went wrong. I mean, obviously, as y'all know, in a virtual marathon, there aren't going to be, you know, water stations and people cheering. And like, there's just so much uh, relying on yourself that is involved. And so I had, you know, two to three different bottle handoffs where like, I was moving too fast and the people weren't there yet. And I just had to keep going and, and be resourceful and, and think about what I could do and like make Instagram shout outs and find some guy that I haven't talked to in 10 years from college. Like that happened to be along my route in Greenpoint. Like this is just like the beauty of running a virtual marathon in a pandemic and also like having a social media following and, and good people. So, I mean, the marathon was just really special and that like, I came back to the fact that like, I will always show up for myself. And I think a lot of us feel that way about running in general. And, and that experience really kind of reaffirmed that for me in a, a year that's been really hard that I can do hard things. And then the other big win from the year, which is the next thing that we'll talk about, I'm sure, is finally, finally getting that sub six minute mile. I know. I saw that. Oh. You were you were so nervous. And I I mean, I've been seeing your workouts for years now. And I was <laughs> and you were like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to break six, all this stuff. I was like, dude, you have got it. Like your workouts <laughs> are killer and oh. you crushed it. How was, it was that? scary? It was scary. It was scary because I just feel like, I mean, you never really master the marathon, but I feel like I can say without a doubt that I am a good endurance athlete. I cannot say without a doubt that I am a fast, um, at least my definition of fast, everyone has a different, different, wow, different (laughs) definition of fast. Um, And you don't have to be fast to be a runner. Let's just affirm that again. But um, for me, I just... I had tried for this and quote unquote failed before, despite the fact that I had learned lessons by failing and not accomplishing my goal. And so I uh, just kind of went into this like sub six minute attempt, like really scared. And when I do something like that, it's almost as though I feel obligated and like it's necessary to talk about this on social media because either way, whatever happens is going to help someone. If I, if I accomplish this goal, it shows the importance of hard work and putting out your big scary goals into the world. If I fail or if I were to fail on that particular effort, then there's a lesson in like how you can come back from that and you know how it's important to keep showing up even though like every day is going to have its new challenges. And so I went into that really scared. Uh, my previous mile PR, I think, was like a 607. I ran it in a 556. So to take off like those 11 seconds, like when I sit here and I like think about 11 seconds, like in running, that's so much time when you're moving that fast. And I just, as I said, like being an overweight kid, an overweight teenager, like not making my high school volleyball team because I couldn't run a mile in under 10 minutes, like the mile is always going to be really special for me. And so to be able to do that again in a year that has felt so many times like the bane of our existence, it was a really special, really, really special moment. What are your running goals now? I mean, those are two huge check marks. So you're the second person to ask me this today. And I think I have to (laughs) 
set, I've just set some smart 2021 running goals. I mean, I was talking to my coach a couple of weeks back after I ran the marathon and he says like, he thinks that my fall 2021 marathon goal should be running a sub 315. That just like, who would feel spicy. I just don't know. Um, I would love a sub 320. I think 315 is like a very big undertaking to cut off almost nine minutes from your marathon time. But, uh, for me, you know, a sub 320 marathon, different in the mix. Um, I'm supposed to run London next year, regardless of when it will happen. We will see. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I BQ'd and I never thought that I would do that. So I don't really have anything like, I don't have any desire to necessarily like run Boston or do anything like that upcoming. So I don't know. I don't know what my other run goals are. I mean, you know, realistically what my next goals are probably to do an ultra and to, uh, do an Ironman. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ultra running scares me. I had, Ooh, um, I mean, I had Lucy Bartholomew, who's like an ultra runner, um, from Australia on the podcast. And she was like encouraging me. She's like, I think you got it, Emma. I think you could be a good ultra runner. I'm like, dude, that takes a different level of mental strength. But if anyone has it, I feel like you do. Maybe, uh, you and I just need to, uh, figure out which Ironman we're going to do together. Well, yeah, that honestly, Ironman is definitely more my wheelhouse, I think. So I'd be down for an Ironman. I think I'm down for both. I mean, the thing is, is that I'm not trying, like, I think that my ultra marathon would maybe be like 30 miles. <laughs> I'm not trying to like go for much longer than the marathon. I just want to run an ultra. Uh, But I definitely, I really want to do a full Ironman before my body tells me that I can't do these things uh, anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Are you a good swimmer? Uh, No, not at all. Not a good swimmer at all. I see that you have a lot of Nike swim. Maybe you could send me some, then I could find a pool. It'll be great. Uh, I love biking. I love running. I don't love swimming. I'll just like backstroke. It'll be fine. I honestly, I feel like swimming is the easiest portion of the triathlon. Maybe I'm biased, but well, maybe I'm biased. I don't know, but it's just the shortest like duration. So it's like, okay, you can get through an hour or whatever it is. I don't, I need to look into it. Honestly, I don't really know the lengths of, I don't know the durations (laughs) of Ironmans, but I know, no, I've done, I've done like a sprint or no, I've done an Olympic but that's the longest triathlon that I've done. Yeah. I like, I guess I should do a half Ironman before doing a full Ironman, but I'm kind of like a go big or go home kind of person. And I know easily that I could do the half Ironman, which sounds like I'm not, I'm just like talking about like wanting to complete these things. I'm not talking about like going out there and, and being the next Gwen Jorgensen. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm the same way. Like, I started off with the full marathon. I didn't need to run a half, you know? I mean, I had already run 13 miles, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for the marathon. And now I'm like, I could do a 70.3. Let's just go for the full Ironman. I have nothing planned, by the way. So don't don't quote <laughs> me on this. I don't know when this is going to happen, but eventually it will, I think. Um, TBD, though. So <laughs> TBD. Can't wait to see you on the start line, though. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. See you out there. We'll do it. Cool. Um, well, I have like two questions for you to kind of end the episode. First is if you, do you have like one tip that you've learned in like, not only running, but I guess just kind of your solo entrepreneurship, um, lifestyle for anyone that's like looking to live a healthier lifestyle. So one tip for someone that's looking to live a healthier lifestyle. One, just just one, just I mean, you could give a couple, I guess. We'll make an exception. 
Uh, my biggest tip for anyone that wants to live a healthier lifestyle is just to start. Uh, you don't need to completely overhaul your life to reap the benefits of a healthier lifestyle. You don't need to completely overhaul your life to make a step in the right direction. It could literally be as simple as I'm staring at like a cup of green juice, like as incorporating greens into your diet or like going for a 20 minute walk or something like that. Like you don't need to start doing it all at once. Journaling, walking, greens, like better sleep, like blackout shades. Like you don't need to do all of it at once. Just start with one thing, begin where you're at. That's so important. And then, I mean, on that note as well, like don't judge yourself for the fact that your journey looks different than somebody else's. Like the beautiful thing is, is that you're at a point now that if you're like actively listening to this advice that you're interested in making some positive changes. So meet yourself again where you're at and don't have judgment on that. Just like do what you can with what you have, do the best you can with what you have. And then, you know, with time, the rest of the stuff is going to fall into place. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree and kind of playing off of that. I feel like in your career and in mine too, uh, we get to try out like a lot of different products in like the healthy world realm and the holidays are coming up. Do you have any like good gift ideas for someone Uh, that to give someone for the holiday season? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a whoop as we talk to each other. I'm like staring at it. The whoop like is a game changer for me. It just like, it makes me take care of myself better. And I have tried so many wearables in my life, like endless wearable reviews for different top websites and everything from Garmin to Apple Watch. And I, I wear both of those actively as well. Uh, but for me, the Whoop um, encourages me to take more pride in my recovery and my sleep. And it just makes me, as a result, feel better. So Whoop, great gift idea. Uh, and then also, I mean, for many of us who aren't actively seeing uh, PTs or getting massage work done, I just think like it's a no brainer to spend a couple hundred dollars on a massage gun if you can like save up and and you have the means. Uh, I'm like big on both of them. Uh, well, at least the biggest players in the mix, Theragun and Hypervolt. They both make really awesome products. I have both in my apartment. And I just think that, you know, if we're going to be enjoying uh, activity and getting out there and putting our bodies through these workouts that our bodies also need a little bit of love as well. So massage gun, a whoop strap, uh, nothing like a new pair of shoes, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just the regular stuff. I get the regular stuff. I see not only your stories, but I also get whoop ads on my every single YouTube video I watch. And every single day I'm one step closer to buying a whoop band. So maybe this episode did it in for me. I might go go get myself one now. Thanks to your recommendation. So <laughs> I support it. Go to join.whoop.com. <laughs> Free advertising on the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Over cold brew. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think this is a really good episode and I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. And you just inspired me to be, live a better, like healthier lifestyle. So Oh, I, I, I want it, everyone, yeah, I want everyone to not only listen to your podcast hurdle, but I also want them to follow you on Instagram. So where do can it. they find you at? Please do it. I'm over on Instagram at Emily Abadi. You can find Hurdle wherever you are listening to this. I'm sure it's in the related section. And also don't forget to give Hurdle some love over on IG. It is at Hurdle Podcast. Awesome. Well, to close out the podcast, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace out, fellas.
Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Convos Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. I sure enjoy talking to Emily. I mean, we have a lot in common, just our lifestyles and what we do for a living. So it was fun to kind of hear her perspective living in New York and doing it for a little bit longer than me and doing freelance writing too. And just her experience with running overall. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big shout out to John for supporting the podcast. I give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode. So if you want to support, the link is through the Anchor platform. The link is in the show notes. If you want a free way to support, it means a lot to me if you go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I read all the reviews and I really appreciate your guys' feedback. It's just so fun to hear what you guys think about the podcast. And I just love reading your responses. Follow at Combos Over Cold Brew on Instagram if you want to be up to date or even submit listener questions sometimes and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.